Take your Bible, please. Turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. A week or so ago, we had the men's Christmas get-together, and I just grabbed this passage and had a few points that I pulled out of it, and I couldn't turn them loose. The Lord just kept building in my heart. If you're you're there, you can stand. We'll start reading in verse 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day In the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them unto heaven, the the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even to Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Let's pray. Father... I just ask you to have your way this morning. I pray, God, that you'd help us to search the Scriptures and find the truths this morning of the Christmas message. Please have your way in all that's said and done here. Please deliver your word to our hearts. Help us to open ourselves to you and allow you to speak to us. Thank you for Jesus. 
Thank you for the reason, for the season. And Lord, I pray that you'd honor him above all else here today. In his name I pray, for he alone is worthy. Amen. You can be seated. Verse 8 says, the shepherd, that, that we're in the same country, shepherds abiding in the fields. I told the men the night of the Christmas get-together, I had read something about the uh, lowliness of the shepherds in the Jewish community of that day. I read a little more since then. Those shepherds, because of their, because of the way they made a living dealing with the sheep, were unclean. They were ceremonially, ceremonially unclean. In the Jewish, in the Jewish society, that makes you a dog are lower than a dog. You're a Gentile dog, unclean from the Jewish community. And because of, because of their jobs, they were separated from the temple by distance and not able to keep the feast days and the festivals of the Jews. So they... they they didn't have much of a way to get clean. It was against the law to do business with a shepherd. It was against the law for a shepherd to come down to the marketplace and sell wares. And it was against the law for a, for a shepherd to uh, be a witness in the court of the Jews. His word was not counted uh, fit to be heard. So here's a bunch of nobodies out on the hill with no pedigree, almost no citizenship, and the lowest spot in Jewish society. She just sung, said something about a strange way. Here's a strange thing. I mean, Herod's over here. Caesar's over there. The world is ruled by the Romans. But he didn't choose the Romans. The Jews are his chosen people, but he didn't choose the Jews. He came to the outcasts. There's a real message in that for every one of us. And see us, Jesus is still available to whosoever will call on his name. Amen. That's who he came for. The shepherds. We're all guilty, aren't we? Uh, we miss events 
and messages. I found two messages on my phone this morning. I can't hear the bell ding when I get a message. If I forget to look at my phone, I don't get the message. So sometimes it's next day or or who knows when I'll look at my phone and get a message. And so I miss a lot of messages. Have to call back in a day or so, find out what that message is all about. Y'all have that problem? I mean, here we are at the busy season. I mean, the shopping, the shopping, and uh, not only the shopping, now there's the uh, data, the sales on the, on the Internet. And you, you, can't, you can't just go down there and feel it and touch it. You've got you've to go over here and, and read about it, look at it, and then figure out how to order it without getting some uh, jerk to try to take your identity off the Internet. Right? And we're, it's complicated. I mean, we got decorating... We got children events. We got Santa Claus. We got uh, all the uh, choir specials and uh, this, that, and the other that that keep us busy at Christmas, right? I still hadn't got my lights up. Me and Susie made a t- made a test. I b- I bought a. Uh, well, I got it for almost nothing. At the youth garage sale, I bought a little four-foot tree, and I thought that would be perfect. Because we don't do much decorating when we don't have our kids coming. But I figured that little tree would be perfect. It wasn't perfect. Only half the lights would light, and it had no stand to hold it up. I didn't unbox it. I just took Take it for granted, if I bought it at a Baptist youth sale, it'd be right. But it wasn't perfect. So I throwed it away. And I still don't have a Christmas tree and still don't have my lights out. And, uh, and by now, it's almost too late to do all that stuff because time be putting them up. Not taking... We're busy. The Bible says over in Luke chapter 10 that Martha, verse 4 said, Jesus said to Martha, 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 you're busy and troubled about many things. Aren't we all? Busy and troubled about many things. I mean, the list every day gets a little longer Things that we haven't got finished that needed to get done. Amazing, all those things that were so important and I didn't get them done and somehow I've lived on through it anyway. Troubled about many things. And then there's this other thing. Well, You know, there's the goodwill measure at Christmas. 
And, you know, uh, they're having a thing over there where we can help feed the poor. And there's a thing over here where we fill a shoebox and send it to somebody. And a fireman's trying to give every kid a bicycle. And, and I, uh, how much of that can I get involved in? Well, there's another verse. That, that verse is, I think it's in Romans. I'm not going to go there. Romans chapter 10 says, sometimes we go about to establish our own righteousness and make me pretty sanctimonious. I gave to the Red Cross. The school kids came by and I'm, I, I bought a I bought some kind of something they're selling to help the school. Huh? Y'all been caught up in that? We all are. And if you don't do it, you got a guilty conscience about it, right? But after you get through doing it, you're no more righteous than you were before you started. What I'm trying to say is, don't miss the message of Christmas. I, I, I got called up years ago. I'll give you a personal testimony. I'm not proud of it. I got, a, I got called up years ago. I had come out of, the, of a, a missionary Baptist church that was just kind of lax and loose. It was... A, it, we just, you know, you took it as it come and read your quarterly and read, the, and that was about as far as we got with, huh? I was convicted about that. We stepped out into an independent, fundamental Baptist church. I mean, nary word of literature. Just the Bible, just the King James 1611, if you please. And we were just getting as righteous as we could get, and we fell off into a, into a bunch of legalists. They were preaching against everything that moved. There was a fellow up there preaching about pony-toed shoes. He had a pair on, and bell-bottom breeches, and he was wearing a pair. I mean, we, it was everything. We preached about everything. I had a guy come. Stayed two weeks at my church. I, I gave him, I had a rent house at that time. I was repairing the rent house. And I gave him free rent for two weeks. He was visiting a family there in the church. And he needed a place to stay, him and his family. And as he left, he said, Brother Wayne, I would, we have a big meeting up there at our church up there in Michigan. And I, I would invite you to come. said, I've really enjoyed the preaching. But they wouldn't let you preach. I said, really? Why not? He said, well, you wear them cowboy boots. And you got wire rimmed glasses. And they wouldn't let you preach up there. Well, I got caught up in some of that. And some of you have too, I'm sure. And one Christmas... 
I got so sanctimonious, we just didn't celebrate Christmas. We didn't have a Christmas tree. I mean, we slipped the kids some presents, but that was under the table. And I was so convicted and miserable. But I really, I've found out since then, it took me one time to try it. Not only was I miserable, but I made everybody miserable around me. Hey, this is one of the greatest seasons of the year. You read that verse? We have a Savior. And the rejoicing of those shepherds was about the Savior. If we can't rejoice right now, when can you rejoice? And I've found out that Christmas time is a very good time to be a witness for the Savior. Everybody's talking about it, thinking about it. And you can't have Christmas. Hey, Brother Ed, you cannot have Christmas without Christ. Brother Ed just told me about trying to get hold of the head of the advertising vice president of one of the companies who who put up Mary something besides Christmas. And you see it all the time. See, verse 9 says, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And I can already tell I'm not going to get as far as I thought I was going to get. So y'all just bear with me. I got to go. Let's talk about the angel a minute. She sung about the angel. Let's talk about it. Over to Luke chapter number 1. In all the Bible, there's only two angels that are given names. Well, there's three, but one of them is the fallen angel, Lucifer. Then there's the Jewish angel who made the promises in Daniel and other places to the Jews, the messenger to the Jews, Michael. And then there's Gabriel. In in chapter number one of Luke... Verse 11 says, uh, verse number 5 said that there was a certain priest named Zacharias who was, and his wife was Elizabeth, and Elizabeth was barren. You know that story. And, And there appeared, verse 11, there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord. That word angel of the Lord is going to, if you study this message as I have, you'll see it several times. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, fear fell on him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zechariah, for thy prayer is heard. Thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Thou shalt have joy and gladness and many shall rejoice with him, with you at his birth. And he'll be great in the sight of the Lord, and so on. 
And Zechariah said down in verse 18, How am I going to know this? The angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel. That name means the man of God. I'm the man of God. Get this verse. This is good preaching, you preachers. I'm the man of God that stand in the presence of God, and I am sent unto thee, and, and to show thee, I'm sent from God to thee, and to show thee these glad tidings. I've got good news from God. The messenger of God. Schofield says that the Hebrew word angel is personified in the word messenger. Here's the man of God who is the messenger of God. Now you'll find him in Daniel. You'll, over there in those, those uh, prophecies that haven't yet been fulfilled that apply to the Gentile world, Gabriel spoke You find him right here as the announcing angel. I don't know what kind of position he's got in heaven, but he got to announce the birth of the Savior. Think about that. Susie is all excited. Our, our friend down at Godly had had their first uh, grandchild yesterday, and she, was, she had seen pictures of Grandpa holding the baby and... and uh, Daddy holding the baby, and she was kind of excited this morning about the pictures of that baby. Last year, about this time, we had a, a baby born prematurely, and we were somewhere along in this time of the year, we were running back and forth over to the hospital, seeing that little four and a half pounder or whatever he was. Now he's about a 20-pounder, and he's doing good. He's not premature anymore. He may be overgrown before it's all over. But, but it, it's exciting when a baby is born, any baby, if it's your grandkid especially. But think about the angel who got out of all the hundreds or thousands or all of many angels of heaven, think about it. Gabriel, the man of God, came with a message from God. The Son of God is going to be the Savior of the world. Amen. Well, there hadn't been news like that since the creation. There's been, there's been 4,000 years of trials and heartaches and troubles. I'll get to that after a while. But now there's an angel with good news from God. That's what he said, verse 19. And so he announced to John the Baptist, who would come as a forerunner to Zechariah. I'm not going to that story. And then he moved in 27 to a virgin. He spoused to an uh, uh, a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. That's not a young maiden. If your Bible doesn't say virgin, you don't have the right Bible. 
there's a big difference between a young maiden and a virgin. There's never been but one birth to a virgin. But God sent his son through a virgin womb. You ought to get that. Over there in Isaiah chapter 7, he said, this will be a sign unto you that a virgin will bring forth a child and you'll call his name Emmanuel. We'll be interpreted is God with us. It was a sign a thousand years before he was born to the Jews. We'll see it show up again over here in our text. And the angel of the Lord came, verse number 9, upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. Think about this. I don't have time to chase all the scriptures, but I've over in Ezekiel, chapter 8, 9, 10, Ezekiel, 700 or so years before Christ, Ezekiel gives you the the prophecy and the story of the glory of God that left the, left the holy place and was up on top of the temple. And then the glory of God that left the, the temple and, and it's over on the Mount of Olives, over at that mountain just outside Jerusalem. And then the glory of God depart from Israel altogether because of their wickedness, their hardness. The glory of God has not been seen in Israel in 700 years or more. Be pretty barren, wouldn't it? To come to church every week and never hope that God would show up and, and speak to us, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be a sad thing if nobody ever got saved at church? Wouldn't it be a sad thing if nobody ever wept a, a, a real tear at church? Wouldn't it be a sad thing if you couldn't get in that prayer altar and get prayers answered at church? 700 years, no answer. 700 years, no glory. And here's a bunch of nobodies... And suddenly, verse number 9 says, suddenly the glory of the Lord shone upon them. Now Ezekiel prophesied he's coming back. Chapter 10. And now he's back. Could I hear a big amen? He's back! Hallelujah! He's back. God's back. God's still on the throne. God still works. God's still doing stuff, even to a bunch of shepherds that can't get a, can't get a court reference. Some of you don't have pedigrees either. We're just nobodies from nowhere. We're, there's nothing special about us. We're not in the upper crust. We're not in the inner crowd. We're the, in fact, in our day, we become the outcasts in America. 
You step out there and start preaching Jesus, you'll find out how outcast you are. So, so verse number 9 says, And lo, the angel of the Lord, there it is again, came upon them. He'd been to Mary, he's been to, he's been to Zacharias lately, but now he's speaking to these shepherds out here, a bunch of nobodies out in the middle of nowhere. Nothing there but the dark. I was going to get the songbook and look at the old little town of Bethlehem. How still we see thee lie. Somebody tell me what number that is, and I'll look it up. I want to read a verse out of it. It was written by an English preacher. They're out on the hillside somewhere outside of Bethlehem. Watching their sheep. What number is it, brother? 142. Huh? 142. I should have asked old John. He probably got it memorized. Let me show you something. It just thrills me. If I could get the right. Philip Brooks was a preacher in, in the 19th century in London, England. He preached just down the street from uh, Spurgeon. Thank you. See, he says, look what he says here. He, he, he wrote this in a visit to Israel in the 1800s. And out there on the desert at night... O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above, above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Here's the part I wanted you to see. Yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting life. God's never been short of glory. It's the sin of the people that separated God from the people. Understand it? The glory of God departed because of the rebellion of Israel. And he's been gone 700 years. And can you see those folks going to bed in Bethlehem? That You remember? The innkeeper said, we don't have any room here. You can stay in that old cave out there. We call a barn. And you can you can have that put your little straw down, you'll have a good bed out there. That's all I can give you. I wonder how many of us. I'm just too busy with family celebrations to celebrate Christ. I'm just too busy with all this shopping rush and the and the uh, dollars in I heard that get your title back with somebody and they're trying to sell you a ten thousand dollar loan just so you can go buy 
something for Christmas. That's the dumbest thing I ever heard. If you fall for that, you're in trouble financially. But we go to bed night after night unconscious of who we serve. Unconscious of the blessings. Unconscious of the presence of God. Don't we? Yet in thy dark street shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. I may need it again after a while. That song has really got a hold of my heart. That preacher out there on the desert hills outside of, out of, outside of Bethlehem, looking at the darkness, the stars going, no doubt he was looking to see if maybe there was a bright star that would guide him. If I'd have been there, it's what I've been looking for. If I ever go to Bethlehem, I might be out there at midnight one night. Now, he's not going to do it again. I understand that. But what a sight. Those, she- those shepherds that nobody would even speak to. The shepherds that were considered unclean by the religious crowd. The shepherds that had been judged unworthy. in their day and all of a sudden the glory of all of heaven breaks out no wonder they got scared I'd be scared too wouldn't you all of a sudden the glory of God is in the place and the angel of the Lord is there I I don't have any idea what an angel looks like but he can leap tall buildings with a single bound. And he's faster than a speeding bullet. He's a mighty man, I know that. He can do something. He's got the power of God on him. God gave God gave Zechariah a vision. God gave Mary a vision. You go over to Matthew chapter 1. There's, a, there's a, a just man who thought to put her away privately. Remember that? And the angel of the Lord showed up, Matthew one twenty, and said, don't be afraid. Don't fear to take her. That, that holy thing which is in her. is there by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. Don't be afraid of it. It's a God thing, Joseph. Don't be afraid of it. He stepped from there. He went to Egypt. They came back home. He went to Nazareth. Can you imagine what they went through? I mean, he is, a, he is an upright Jew of the tribe of Judah. A practicing religious Jew. They're there in paying taxes 
just to keep every appearance upright. And all of a sudden, you read Matthew one twenty. It does not say your girlfriend, it says your wife. She was bound with that promise of the Jewish marriage ceremony that was made before they ever came together as his wife. They bore the shame of it the rest of their lives. You never got over it in in Israel. There wasn't a time to forget it. Girls, you'll bear the shame even in our day. Don't let that heathen, wicked devil talk you into something that you'll regret the rest of your life. Boys, it's a separated place. What's so exciting about that birth of a baby? Well, Peter said over in 1 Peter chapter 3 that we are heirs together of the grace of life. That's what the marriage is all about. We are heirs together of the grace of life. It's a wonderful thing if it's done right. It's a terrible thing if it's done wrong. Now the angels on the scene were the shepherds. God God reveals himself over in uh, over in John chapter 8. Eight forty four said, no, eight eight thirty four, I believe it is. Not either one of them. Eight twenty eight. Eight twenty eight says, then they verse twenty seven said they understood not that he spake to them of his father. He was preaching the word of God about God. Verse twenty eight. And then said Jesus unto them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, you shall know that I am He. Do you understand this, folks? This book is the book about Him. The subject is the Lord Jesus Christ. Whether you're in Genesis, Exodus, or Revelation, this book is about Him. And if you ever get to know Him, you'll know Him off the page of the book. He said, when you have raised me up, when you have lifted me up, when you've crucified me, you'll know that I am God. Down in verse number chapter 3, he says it to lost people. He said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. You're not going to find celebration anywhere except at the foot of the cross. You're not going to find salvation anywhere outside of the cross. It's a blood salvation bought by His precious blood at the cross of Calvary. And, and then over in, uh, 
in, in Revelation, in uh, John chapter 12, he said, And I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto me. We play this Christmas game. It's not a game. It's the greatest event in a thousand years in Israel. It's the greatest event in all of time in this world. And it's the greatest event for all eternity for every one of us. He came to be the Savior. That's the Christmas message. The angel's here to give us... Let me read 9 and 10 again. The angel of the Lord came on them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Now, I've already said it. I'm going to say it again and again. But you can't celebrate. Hey, what's wrong with the Christmas office party? What's wrong with a, a Christmas dinner down at the pub? What's wrong with a, a little, little cocktail and, and a celebration of Christmas? They're empty celebrations. You can't celebrate without Jesus. There's got to be a risen Savior or there's no celebration. It's just an empty something. When you get through with it, you won't be any better off than you were before you started it. When you get through with it, you'll wish you hadn't done some of the things that you did it out of your flesh. The, a real celebration has to have a risen Savior. Amen. There's got to be. He, he said, here's the good news that will beat all people. Here's the Savior. I'm going to tell you about the Savior. I want to tell you where the Savior is going to be born. That's the Christmas message. Not traditions, not family, not Santa. It's the Savior. Over in John chapter 1, the, the, verse, the verses, Brother Daniel and I were working on this the other day. Verse number 9 says, verse 8 says that John was sent to bear witness of the light. Verse 9, that was the true light which lighteth every man that come into the world. He, he says, going to say it over in John chapter 8, I'm the light of the world. He's the light of your world or you don't have any light. You're in darkness. He was in the world and the world was made by him and, and the world knew him not. He came into his own, his own received him not. Look at verse 12 now. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Tell your, tell your Mormon friend that he is not a son of God until he receives the son of God. And there's just one son of God and that's Jesus. They say he's just another son of God like all of us are. And if you could just keep climbing and be a little more religious, 
you keep moving up in stature till one day you become a joint heir with Jesus. That's what a bunch of baloney. Here it is right here. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now I want to ask you this question. Are you one of them? Have you received him? Can you say that I can access the throne of God because I am a son of God through the name of the son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ? Can you? If you can't, you need to be saved. And he'd save you in a moment if you'd receive him. My boy had a fellow saved out there at his plant. He was preaching it to the shutdown crew, and one of the guys got saved. And he said every, all day long, every time he'd see him, he said, I just can't believe it is that easy. You know, think about it. As wicked as we are, we can get saved because he's the Savior of the whole world. And anybody can be saved if they'll receive him. I believe that I believe I'm gonna stop right here. I've got to say some more things about the message. You'll have to come back tonight to get it. But that is the message of Christmas. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. There's not another one. Amen. There'll never be another one. There was only one before eternity ever released him. And he's still the only one. Have you received him? I mean, the Christmas lights are everywhere. The Christmas gifts are everywhere. And Brother Ed found this one sign. They're all over that don't say Christmas. You know, the, the appropriate greeting is happy holidays in the eyes of our society today. No, they won't get it. Happy holidays does not bring everlasting life. Amen. The appropriate greeting is, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, the Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And John chapter 1 verse 12 said, if you'd receive him, you could have everlasting life. Forever be a son of God. The question is, have we missed the Christmas message? That's what drove me back to this chapter. It's easy to talk about Rudolph and all the rest of them. And it's fun. But that's not Christmas. The Christmas message is, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Think about that.
He came for us. I mean, those, how, would you, how would you announce salvation to the whole world? I'm sure you'd be like me. You wouldn't announce it through a bunch of deadbeat, cast out shepherds, would you? Can't even get, can't even sell, sell wool down there at the marketplace. Can't make a, can't make a statement in the court of law. Nobody believe them. But God sent the message down there to the lowest and the least. Oh, we're nobodies. We have no thing to brag about in ourselves. The only thing that we have is Jesus Christ and His righteousness. That's what life's all about. Don't miss the Christmas message. He's come by here this morning to say, look over here, look over here at Bethlehem. See that baby in that manger? That's what the shepherds are fixing to do. They're going to go look at the baby. They're going to leave there shouting and praising the Lord. Have you got any joy in your heart knowing that Jesus is your Savior? Can you really sing the song? Hey, y'all may not think I can sing, but down in here there's a song that rings. In my heart there rings a melody. I mean, it's down there somewhere. I tear it up right here, but down here. Every once in a while it gets really real to me. How about you? Let's stand. Heads are bowed. Father, I pray that you've had your way here this morning. Seems like we just got an introduction and that's all. But Lord, you know what we needed. I ask you now to take charge in this invitation. Help us, Lord, not to be caught up and too busy and miss the Savior and miss the message of Christmas. Oh, Lord, take charge right now. Help us to search our hearts. See if there's that moment when we gave him our own heart. If not, Lord, I pray you'd do your work right here this morning. Please take charge of us. Lord, I pray about all the problems and all the heartaches around us. I just pray you'd take charge of us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Number 160.
didn't tell you all the story. I don't want you to leave with the wrong impression. Turning out the lights on the Christmas tree didn't change a thing. When I skipped Christmas, it didn't affect anything. But here's the point. Christmas has to start right here. And the celebration is not about a Christmas tree. The celebration is about Christ. And until we celebrate, if you can, if you can celebrate in Him, go over to Nehemiah about chapter 8. Nehemiah said, get you a good piece of meat and have a good meal and enjoy the Lord for the joy of the Lord. This is not a day, day of sorrow. This is a day of joy. And the joy of the Lord will be your strength if the Lord's in the middle of it. It'll be a wonderful celebration. You know, some of you have got kids, grandkids, nieces, nephews, friends who don't know what you know, don't have what you have. Be a good time to tell them about Jesus. Give them a fresh glimpse of Jesus. Put a little of that in your celebration and let them see Jesus. Put a little of that glory of God in it. Let them see the, the glory when he works in your midst. Let him have part of your life. Let him, let him put the glow on you. And you won't be sorry. It's a wonderful thing to celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ. Sing our hymn of dismissal, number 146.